Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And we have a very special guest with us today, author Therese Bahari. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) How has 2021 been for you? Um, Not, I mean, it's been better than 2020, but I mean, not super great because we can't, we still currently in our third wave. Um, Oh man, I don't want to start this on a bummer, but (laughs) we're still in the midst (laughs) of the pandemic. So um, it's been a little bit tougher I think we're only getting vaccinated towards the second half of the year possibly towards the end of the year so it's been a bit difficult with that um but my boys are almost turning one and that's been a highlight of of the last year um and I'm really excited about the books I have coming out this year. So. Yay! <laughs> so you posted something about the, it was maybe a week or so ago. Can you talk a little bit about it since we have you here? Um, the vaccinations with where you are, like, can you, can you talk about it a little bit? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, so, so our, our government in generally, agenda has been doing their best, I think. Um, but unfortunately, it's been very limited because all of the vaccination efforts have been concentrated on the richer countries. And that's just a fact, right? So um, the UK and, um, and the US, and um, I'm not sure, I don't think Canada's quite there. I, I don't know, you can, I'm, I haven't been... Um, Mm-hmm. you know keeping touch with or keeping up to date with most of you know the world but we've just kind of been relying on the compassion and good-heartedness of the richer countries mm-hmm. um which has been improving now that um uh, everyone's vaccinated or most people who have chosen to be vaccinated in the u.s are vaccinated so we are on um a better trajectory but unfortunately it's just not it's nowhere close to where you know we would like to be and to yeah. where to a point where because we also have the delta variant in mm. south africa right now and it's spreading really fast and we kind of in the peak of our third wave you know with more deaths and and more cases mm. and things so it's really devastating especially to just know that um you know the vaccines are available and you know in the world generally but in africa as an entire continent we kind of are just going through what most countries have gone through last year um it's just kind of reached us now and unfortunately is more devastating because we are not as you know privileged as the rest of the world yeah it's you know i live in in texas and it's a state where there's a big population of people that were like i choose not to get it mm-hmm. and i'm just like well there are people in other places in the world that wish they could get it and they can (laughs) you know and I know for Sarah in Canada they didn't have as many vaccines like she's had to get hers very spread apart where mine was Mm -hmm. like two weeks from each other Mm -hmm. and it's just it's crazy you know and I was telling her today because like she does her YouTube videos and every now and again she'll give an update about where she is with her vaccine and like someone will comment and it's really kind of nasty. And I'm like, it's funny that the only people that really have something to say are the people that don't want to get the vaccine. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, so tough. it's really so tough. Like I understand vaccine hesitancy in general, sure. like as a general concept, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just feel like it's so sad really, because I think there are a lot of people who would just like to protect themselves and yeah. their families. 
Um, and I just think in that very basic way, that is why people, you know, like me, want to get vaccinated. It's not mm-hmm. because yeah. we have a plot against people who don't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. we, we're very, you know, we're thinking very small. We actually just, you don't want to protect our families. Exactly. That's really it. Exactly. So are you ready to kick it off with some icebreakers? I would love to. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we know from following you online, you live in Cape Town, South Africa. Can you share with us uh, one must-visit location there? Table Mountain, of course. <laughs> it's like our, yeah, it's our, um, it's our biggest tourist attraction in general. So that's like if you want to do the touristy thing, you should go to Table Mountain and go up the cable car and just see the whole of Cape Town from the top of the mountain, which is beautiful. Um, I'm very biased, obviously. That's <laughs> um, fine. And then I think if you are wanting to do a little bit more kind of food-driven um, things, you should go to, like, our, our towns. Um, we have a section of, like, the main town that's a road, like, that, you know, a couple of roads where we just have the best food ever. And if anybody's ever interested in that, like, tweet me or something, and I'll give you, like, actual <laughs> recommendations because I can't. I tell you each of them, but yeah, we we have there's so much to see here. So everyone come visit us, you know, when things are better. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, I can't. I would love to go. I know. Oh <laughs> um, ebook, audiobook, physical book. What is your preferred e-book. reading method? Ebook. Yes. Definitely. I mean, I I this is gonna sound funny to say, but my hands get lazy now. Because, you like, do have two babies. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like I'm like, why am I holding this thing that's required in both ends? Um and also just in terms of accessibility. Um we don't get everything here in physical yeah. books. So um it's opened a huge um, you know, market and, and I don't know if that's the right word, but it's just it's given me so many more books that I would so many more authors. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. absolutely true. We're gonna have to touch on that a little bit later. Of course. Yes, I love so it. We want to know all about that. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> and what's the last book you read? The last like pure romance I read was Tessa Day's uh The Duchess Deal, which mm-hmm. I loved. Mm-hmm. It was my first <laughs> Tessa Day book. Don't make fun of me, but it was my first Tessa Not Day making book. fun. She's a delight. <laughs> and I I was uh, a friend recommended it to me. Um, and it was just it was amazing it's exactly why you read romance you know yes Yes. (laughs) so that was the book and then um I've been reading more YA romance okay well fantasy with you know those little sprinkle of romance and I did fire by Kristen Cashaw which is which was um about which is also something a friend recommended me so clearly I'm just reading recommendations you have good friends um and also it's nice to know someone's like checked it out and made sure that it's actually a happily ever after because I refuse to read books that don't have happily ever after I do not have time for that in my life right now if I'm going yes right So the motto for 2021 and going forward. I don't have exactly. time for that in my life. You not have time for something that is, you know, realistic. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate it when people say that because I'm very happy. My happily ever after is still happening and it is very realistic. So anyway. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's, it's 
it's a it's a great world it's about people you know mon- these monsters and and people who have these skills uh to like have special gifts and um i'm not doing a great job sorry Kristen, if you were listening to this. <laughs> she loves the book <laughs> that's all you need to know yeah i'm much better at describing my own book and it's it's so it's so much easier to talk about a book that you don't like than books that you love you're just like i loved it you should read it like that's yes exactly i'm so glad you both agree i that is exactly how i feel yeah so congratulations to you for welcoming two little twin babies into the world this year how are they doing and are there any motherhood lessons you have learned so far uh, they are wonderful they are mm. beautiful little boys um honestly they are you're so happy and cheerful and when they walk when you walk into the room like if my husband and I walk into the room they give you the biggest smile it doesn't matter what's mm. happening um and my son just learned how to wave so you like when you come to the room, you wave. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 amazing but it's really hard um and I think I, you know, people often post pictures of themselves looking beautiful, you know, while being mothers and fathers and, and, you know, just parents. And I love that for them, but that has not been my experience. You posted a picture. Um, I love it. You're like holding one of them in the face that you're making. I'm like, she just captures like early motherhood so perfectly. It's, it's, it's such a blur. Um, I can't tell you, like, at the end of the day, I have 7 million things that I have to do. Um, they were, I had a deadline. So if I could go back and do it over, I would push all my deadlines out for, like, a year mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I didn't have to deal with deadlines while, you know, just figuring out how to be a mother. But I had a deadline, and so I was working. As soon as I put them down, I'd work for, like, an hour or two, and then... Um, when that wasn't working, because I was so tired, I'd wake up an hour earlier than they did, which is, you know, a gamble, because sometimes they wake up at five, sometimes they wake up, you know, yeah. at six, sometimes it's, you know, when we're lucky, it's seven. So mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's been quite difficult to figure figure out where I fit in and like how mm-hmm. my writing fits into being a mother. And I would just say, have compassion on yourself it's 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 hard um and that doesn't make you a bad mother because you find it hard right so um that's something that I've had to tell myself so whoever's listening and needs to hear that just because you're not floating through uh through it does not mean that you're not doing your best that's really all they need absolutely uh we love to hear romance origin stories can you share with us how you became a romance reader I always think about this question and I, and I always, and I've obviously listened to a lot of your podcasts and podcasts in general and heard that, um, heard stories. And I always think that the ages are always so young. So mine was also like at 12 where I really got into pure romance. Um, and before that I was reading everything I could get my hands on and I was really drawn to the romances in, in the stories. And if there was no romance, I would make, you know, a makeup canon in my head. So, you know, with Nancy Drew, I used to love Nancy Drew books. And if, you know, her boyfriend wasn't in the picture, I'd be like, she definitely ended up with one of the hardy boys. Yeah. Or, you know, there was definitely chemistry between her and this person she's interviewing. Yeah. You know, whatever whatever the case was. So I, I was had a very clear preference 
photo mans early on. And then my cousin slipped me a Mills and Burn book. And it was just, you know, uphill from there. <laughs> or downhill. I don't know. Which one is the more positive one? <laughs> Definitely uphill. Either one. Uh, we'll, we'll go with uphill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because here we are. Positive. We're talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. It's a positive. But, you know, going uphill is harder. I don't know. Um, sorry. But <laughs> uh, it is just, it's been honestly the most amazing thing, gift um, I could give myself mm-hmm. is to have found romance novels. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, we always love it when like it's a cousin that slid slid them to you rather yeah. than like I mean we love the sneak stories but when it's somebody that's like oh yeah my cousin was giving them to me it's like ooh there's a different kind of story and she definitely <laughs> knew what she was doing like she sent me a message when I became an author she sent me a message and she was like um, I'm so glad it worked out <laughs> could have gone either way at that point um, and, and, you know, I had a teacher's all that she was like, oh, I remember you reading your bowls and bones under the desk while I was trying to teach you history. And I was like, buddy, <laughs> me. But I'm glad it worked out. Exactly. <laughs> Both here we are now. <laughs> so has, has writing always been a passion of yours? And at what point in your life did you realize you wanted to pursue writing professionally? Writing has always been a passion. I, I, um, from you know my my dad used to bring home these diaries from work and I would scribble stories in in them and they made no sense um they were never finished it would just be this idea that would come into my mind I'm like what if these two people went into the forest and I would write that you know and they'd be like a picture I draw a picture and I'm a terrible artist but I draw a picture and just be like a sign that says you hey or stay out and then I'd write the story about that and never figure out you know I never got to the point where I figured out why they needed to stay out just because I was like this is the part of the story that I am interested in yeah Uh, and then I think when I was really in my final year at university where I realized oh okay I need to start looking for jobs and I didn't want to I wanted to be a writer and I decided that I was going to um write and 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 try and figure out whether or not I could do it for one that was my, my first book was really just do I want to really do this? Do I really want to pursue this? And mm. how hard is this going to be? And it was very hard. Um, but I'm here, so <laughs> that's something. What were you going to university for? I it, it was my degree was called languages and culture. Okay. But I actually um, it's a bachelor of arts degree, which I think is something universal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it, is it something there as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was a Bachelor of Arts degree in Languages and Culture. Um, and I did had a focus on linguistics, which is, yeah, I know, the science of language, which is how okay. they described it to us. And um, it was not, it was, it was very appealing to me because it was very specific. It was very, like, scientific in how it viewed language. So we'd learn about language acquisition and... Uh, what happens in your brain when you are learning a language and at what age can you learn languages and things like that and I love that um, and there was also you know an applied part of it where you actually look at language in use and my thesis was on uh, looking at school at, at, the lang- at the books the novels that were prescribed at schools to see like mm-hmm. how kids were interacting with cultures and what was it perpetuating, you know, stereotypes of certain cultures and things like that. Um, 
and I really enjoyed it, but, and I thought I was going to be an academic before I, you know. I can see going through that, (laughs) that, that, those types of courses. Like I can see you just wanting to like keep pursuing that because that is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating, especially now that I have kids and seeing their language develop and realizing, okay, so this is what they were talking about. I'm so fascinated by that, but I just love romance way more and writing way more than I did that. Um, mm-hmm. And the appealing part of it was the hope that mm-hmm. romance has. Yep. Um, I did not want to spend my life, you know, doing something that's a little bit, I think, more more um, grounded in negativity, which is what a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of my academic experience mm-hmm. was. You know, how are people looking at language in this particular traumatic event yeah. Um, because that's what my department is focusing on um, in, in you know I mean I love them and you know no no shade to to the um, what their focus was but it was just it was something that I wasn't prepared um, to do for the rest of my life at least yeah yeah absolutely um, the tycoon's reluctant Cinderella was your debut with Harlequin Mills and Boone uh, with their romance, True Love Forever series. What was the journey uh, like to becoming published? So that, that that book that I wrote in my final year at university, mm-hmm. I actually entered into the So You Think You Can Write competition, okay. which is the same year Amanda Chanelli won. Um, oh. and, <laughs> so I feel, I mean, Look I feel like... We, the, the connections are coming I know, through right? <laughs> I mean, I feel like she and I are great friends. Um, we have we have spoken but I mean in my mind I'm like of course we're friends we were in the same competition together (laughs) (laughs) so um, but yeah so I entered my my book um, into that but the book was terrible so I you know (laughs) I hear that a lot about the first book people submit it was really terrible I like really terrible there was a kidnapping and there was a drug deal and there was I feel some like romantic suspense here right (laughs) But it was not. It was, a, it was for the two love line, which is not what I saw. And I remember thinking when I was writing, so it wasn't a surprise that it was bad, but I remember thinking, I just need to make it to 50,000 words. It doesn't matter what I put in here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I entered that, and I actually, the first chapter wasn't bad. So I got into the top 25, and then didn't get any further. And then the f- following year, I Oh, but I did get feedback for that book and okay. it was very, a wonderful feedback and really motivating feedback. So I, I took that and I applied it to my next manuscript, which I entered the following year. And I got into the next round of the competition again, but didn't go any further. But the editor I did my previous uh, uh, entry was like, emailed me afterwards and she said, you know, I think you have something here. Are you interested in figuring it out with me mm-hmm. um would you like to to basically rewrite this book or would you like to start on something new I'd love to work with you mm-hmm. and I said yes of course yeah. and I was happy and over the course of I think about six months she and I worked together on what was what became the Tycoon's Reluctance in Ella. and the day before my birthday I got my call <laughs> to say to say that I that they would like to offer me a two book contract. So that was that was one of the highlights of of that. I didn't care about my birthday. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be published. Yeah. <laughs> the more that we hear about these contests, it's mm-hmm. it's like a lot of authors really 
it's it's inspiring i think for anybody especially if you're listening and you're an aspiring author it seems like a lot of times you all entered not necessarily feeling like you're gonna win but wanting the feedback, feedback. Like the feedback seems like such a positive like mm -hmm. if you don't win that's cool but like you kind of are winning if you're mm -hmm. getting feedback in the first place you definitely are and that's something i've always said is that i find it personally i've recommend entering these contests because it's so scary mm -hmm. so i have a lot of compassion for people who you know struggle to get to the point where they like i feel like it's okay to put myself out there like that yeah but it's a shortcut basically because you're not spending months in the slush pile mm -hmm. you are either getting a you know this is potential can we get something back can we get you know go back and forth can we get revisions can we you know just work on this or you're getting a no thank you try mm -hmm. again and and that's also helpful in because you're not spending nine months of your life waiting for yeah you know feedback for that mm -hmm. answer so i am a huge advocate for competitions and contests obviously very biasedly because that's how i got my start but i've just found that it's it's really you know for me it's a win-win situation especially if you're serious about a long-term career because mm -hmm. even if the answer is no you can then just move on to your next book which yeah. I think is incredibly important yep. you know you need to be able to write something set it aside if it's not working and move on to the next project uh, so that you don't lose your own love for writing in the business of it because yeah. that can happen quite quickly absolutely so for any of our listeners who are new to category romance or have yet to read the romance true love forever series, I'm, we're trying to incorporate all of those because we know it's different all over the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How would you describe it to them? It's more about the emotional rush of falling in love. So all those emotions that you get in the beginning of a relationship, the uncertainty, the lust, the just that beautiful hesitancy really about is this something that i want to do so that's our main focus in the line we have a lot of aspirational settings so we still have you know really beautiful locations and we do high fantasy in terms of our characters so our billionaires and mm -hmm. fairy tales and royalty and all those type of things but we are much more i think down to earth than the modern line for example because modern still does the high fantasies of the characters of the billionaires and but in in true love you won't find uh you know a kidnapping plot line and you won't find you know the more sort of fantasy aspects mm -hmm. of what you get in modern um it's really just it's really the focus is on emotion mm -hmm. uh for us and you know how these two flawed people get together and eventually get to the point where they can move forward and have their happy ever after mm -hmm. love it <laughs> i mean, i love the line i really feel like because before i started dating uh, mills and boone it was you know it was before they'd acquired um when I started reading Category Romances, it was before they'd acquired uh, the Silhouette publisher. Yes. And Silhouette was, was, I think, you know, much more focused on, like, families and, you know, pregnancies and those type of storylines, which were my absolute favorites. Um, and I think with Harlequin Romance and Mills and True Love, uh, that's really, you know, what we focus on is more mm -hmm. of the relationship stuff than the external, um, you know, conflict in in a, in a way obviously to an extent yeah. but yeah so i i 
Um, so I I want everyone to be Harlequin condiments because I feel like it's the most underrated line in I agree. It's the oldest and the most underrated. Like it's the Thank one you. that started it in a mm-hmm. way. Right and and people and, and we have we have some of the longest write, uh, you know lo- longest writing authors yes who, you know, with Muslim women we have writing for Harlequin Germans and mm-hmm. I I would love people to read more but I I know the like the heat level of Harlequin Germans ranges quite a, bo- a lot and I know people tend to like I mean a lot of at least a lot of the readers online tend to like higher sensualities yeah which is something that we've started to incorporate into the books I don't mm-hmm. know if you noticed. We've really noticed. noticed. <laughs> I was like, Sarah, there's a really steamy scene, and she's re- she's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Okay, B, tell me, tell me which book. Tell me which book. We're reading. Yeah, we're we're reading a new series, and we were both okay. like, <laughs> I am very happy to to spread the word on that as well. To just share your share the steam please. <laughs> yes <laughs> but i think that it's really nice to, i mean i think that it's really nice to have it but it's still something mm-hmm. where it just depends on the author you know if the exactly. author wants to include it then fine the only and thing also, that bugs me about romance is i can't buy it in the store <laughs> man that's that's really fun they told me i i don't think my books have ever been in the store i actually think my first book was in the store because our week we came off the shelves in 2017 which is when Mm. my first book was published so I think I've had one book Mm. in stores over uh, you know in in the U.S. which is quite sad to me (laughs) because (laughs) I'd love people to have it I mean you can still order it now fortunately you can order it online from Walmart and Target and things Mm -hmm. but you're in the store now I saw you. You are in the store uh-huh. now. Yes. You there's a bind up. You and someone else. And you have and the cute is babies. Yes. Yes. I should have bought it in here. I got it. <laughs> I was like no, what? I I love getting that because I don't I don't generally get to see my books here. So I love people sending yeah. me pictures and telling me about it. I, I'm very happy. Yeah, but Thank I was, you. I was My like, wait mate. a minute. What is this? <laughs> I mean, it's it's one thing to be published and be published, you know, digitally, and that's fantastic. But there's something else to go into a store and be like standing there going, this is mine. This, this yes. is, you know, like, <laughs> you know I love yeah. help. I just, I can see the joy in authors' faces. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, you see this thing that you've worked for mm-hmm. in your hands. And I think that's true of, you know, whatever book you, however. Of course way you are published but I think there is definitely something special to see your book where you've once bought other people's books yes it's a special it's a special feeling absolutely I was like I feel so seen they know that I want this in the store and it's here <laughs> maybe somebody somewhere listened I'm all right fine we'll throw Bree a bone <laughs> see I I think you are single-handedly going yeah. to bring that Sarah and I always joke like they're never gonna let us in the building there's certain countries they're never gonna let us in because they know we're just gonna come and rant like why can't we get this at the Walmart like we're just gonna have a list but seriously we just want to give our money we want to support the authors make it easier on us we we love you guys for that Mm. thank you Um, back in 2019, uh, you posted an incredible blog post titled 
Writing category romance prepares you for writing longer romance. The first point you touched on in the post was honoring the importance, uh, the important elements of a romance novel. Can you talk about your experience with learning this very important element of the craft of writing romance? Yes, I would love to. Firstly, thank you for calling that blog post incredible. It was it's good. <laughs> yeah. Anybody that's listening, I will have it linked in show notes. Yep. You have to read it. <laughs> thank you. Um, I. I... I think what was a good example is the book I was talking about earlier when, you know, I just started writing. I put anything in there because I really didn't understand what what went into a romance and specifically what went into a category romance. I think they are, category, writing a category romance is definitely a learned skill. It's something that is very different to writing longer romances because everything is so condensed. So for me, it was really learning that the emotional conflicts, the internal and external conflicts was the most important, were the most important, particularly the internal conflict. And working with uh, my editor at that stage um, was really what helped me get there because she would tell me, okay, so why are they doing this? And why are they doing that? And what's their romantic history like? And what are they choosing? Why are they making this choice? And those kind of questions really focus your attention on the base and the baseline of the person and that then takes you to the relationship which then allows you to talk about the development of the love story uh and it took me you know the first book i wrote was obviously not great and the second book became the tycoon's reluctance cinderella and i by the time i'd le- i'd written that book i was already wo- wo- that book came out the second book i think i was I had started writing and I did had no idea about tropes. I had no idea what I was doing still because um, I was still learning. So I started, you know, doing, you know, with the book and it was, you know, at the hospital with the hero's father dying. And my editor was like, you know, we don't generally start romances such <laughs> a depressing note. Would you like to maybe think about starting a little bit later? And I was like, of course, <laughs> of course, you don't start romances with death. Why am I thinking, you know, why am I doing that? We generally, like people, you know, when you, you would have romances at start, like after someone had died, but not in the hospital, which is what my yeah. book yeah. started. Um, and so it was a, a very long journey for me to realize, okay, so with each book, I was like, okay, I need to learn this and I need to learn that. And with the second book, which is a marriage worth saving, I had to learn that you know, the emotional conflicts were the most important. And that book deals with, um, you know, a, a marriage in trouble and really broken people um, being forced together by a will, because why not? Mm-hmm. And um, they have to deal with real emotional issues. So working through that was a deal, you know, deep dive into emotional conflict. And then I think with every book after that, I got a little bit more, I got a little bit better at, also making sure that the emotions were neat okay. because I, I think that my earlier books are a little bit messy in how I dealt with it because they tend to be a lot a lot of internal dialogue and those kinds of things but um with you know as I went on I was like oh okay I can actually have this 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 moment doesn't have to be internal dialogue it has it can actually be you know between the hero and heroine and how can I show this and that kind of thing and I I just I think my books 
have gotten much better over the years because I really do try and improve with every single book mm-hmm. that I do. I don't okay. know. Does that answer your question? I always feel yes. like I. Yep. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, so you're, good. you're good. <laughs> the next point you touched on is emotional conflict, which, from reading your books, you capture so well every single time. Is Thank there you. any advice you can share for possibly for possible aspiring authors who are listening on the importance of emotional conflict and the how tos of capturing it in romance? Because I think that that's like the mm-hmm. thing that I look mm. for the most. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. which I think is basically the very real, the, the, the most important point is that your reader looks for that. Mm-hmm. Your reader wants to be taken on this journey, um, on, on what is ultimately a hopeful journey. I, so for me, you, I think that's the answer is that you want to include it because you want to make sure your reader is getting what they want. But you also want to make sure that your book's emotionally satisfying for everyone involved, your characters, for yourself, for your reader. And I would always say, so this is something I don't I don't know how many authors approach it in this way, but for me, I always think that I want my characters to start somewhere and I they need to end somewhere different. So I don't want the two people who meet one another to be this to be the same um, yeah. at the end of the book. That makes because sense. Because why, you know, why aren't, why don't they just get together at the beginning of the book then if they're the same people? There needs to be some kind of lesson. There needs to be some kind of development. Mm-hmm. And so I'd always say start with two flawed people who, mm-hmm. you know, have something that that's keeping them apart, but that something needs to be an emotional thing or an emotional issue that, you know, can be led back to a root cause, which is, you know, like a bad relationship with parents mm-hmm. or a bad romantic relationship or just, you know, a feeling, a certain feeling of unworthiness or whatever that is. And then by the end of the book, you want them to have dealt with that feeling. So no matter how you do that, that's where, you know, you want to end up so that when they start their relationship, your reader can believe that they actually are going to stay together forever. Yeah. Happily. Yep. Like they put in the work to fix the thing, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like, if they don't fix the thing, starting off the relationship is going to feel so wrong. Like, exactly. Yeah. And you're going to get sense. leaders who say that's not believable. Like why would someone who doesn't change, who doesn't trust people at the beginning of the book, why would they suddenly trust them at the end of the book? If there's been no way that they've dealt with it during yep. the book. You know, so you need to then either give them the opportunity to learn how to trust someone or to have the other person prove that they are trustworthy to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love this because, okay, there was a really popular romance that I read last year. Was it last year? Yeah, last year. And maybe it was this year. I can't remember. Anyway, and so. What is time? in the book and like it was really hyped and I just went into it knowing I was gonna love it but the thing that I couldn't deal with was the fact that the main character her father passed away like 10 years ago right and I don't know what that grief is like however Mm -hmm. it just seemed like here we are 10 years from now and it's like such it felt like something that she hadn't really dealt with at all like I was like you need therapy, like go talk to someone Mm -hmm. like losing a parent is hard, but I just felt like 
if you're going to write this character, show us that she has tried to talk about it with your girlfriends, go get a therapist, like Mm -hmm. 10 years, show me for, if God forbid, I ever have to experience that, how to like learn how to live life after that, you know? And I just felt like we did not see that. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is not even the romance. It's like not, not the big deal, mm-hmm. but it, it, what it, it, because it really sh- had shaped the person that she became when exactly. we met and her I at the beginning of the story. I think that's, that's the, the best point that you made there is mm-hmm. that if, if, if an issue has formed who you are, mm-hmm. cause it's fine. Right? Like there are people in the world who don't deal with grief well, or don't deal with it at all. But I can't imagine that puts you in the position to open yourself up to to love again. Like, what would the implications of that grief be in a relationship that requires you to trust, that requires you to love, mm-hmm. that requires things from you that, you know, is something that's definitely going to be affected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you just, you know, if, if, if you have in that type of situation, I don't know what, I don't know what book you're talking about. So I'm not like giving advice or anything. <laughs> I'm just saying for, for me, I'd say, you know, if there is something that triggers at that point, like if you haven't dealt with it for 10 years and all of a sudden something happens that triggers yep. something and makes you have to deal with the grief, you know, that's, that's what I'd, you know, how I'd approach that because I, I, I don't think you can be in a healthy relationship if you don't deal with something that's mm-hmm. really deep and something that's affecting you that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for letting me have that rant. Yeah, waiting to get that off. Anytime. <laughs> um, you end that post with how readers want to be hooked in by tropes and how category romance is unapologetic and brazen in its attempt to hook readers. You also write that your love of tropes was born from category romance. Can you tell us about the tropes used in category that created your love for them? I I mean, I think, I don't think there is a trope that category hasn't done. True. And that's mm-hmm. why I love them. I mean, obviously there's a danger of how well it's done. You know, there are some things that are maybe done a bit insensitively, in my opinion. Um, and, I, but just the way that the fact that they are really unapologetic about it. And, and that's something that we generally get made fun of because we are, you know, the billionaire's baby from a one night stand in the title, but it tells you exactly what you're getting from that book. And I think category readers love that. We love knowing one night, okay, there's going to be a baby involved Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's going to be, they're going to have to face one another at some point in the future. Like those tropes are, those titles and those keywords are built in indicators for your reader, especially a long time reader, because we know what the implications are of falling in love as a royal person, as a billionaire or millionaire. We know that, you know, the complications of, that and I think obviously there are ways that category romance has actually engaged with it um, that are more traditional but there are also ways and I think especially now that we have um, certain tropes that are are a lot more um, I think thoughtful in the way that they approach like what is the reality of being a millionaire and I think um, I don't mean to plug my own books, but that's something that I plug, think about. Plug which away. I think there for. <laughs> <laughs> um, in in Madding is Runaway Eris, which is the book that came out last year, I believe. Uh, you know, the the heroine is a 
heiress and she her father's a billionaire and she's kind of seen how cruelly he's dealt with mm-hmm. um or, or how cruel his money has made him so it's very specific you know very specific mm-hmm. representation of a, a billionaire and millionaire and um so she is and she's removed from that because she's like cut herself off she's made her own life and then she encounters of course this man who's a millionaire billionaire and has a lot of things in common with her father and so she will ask him like how or how do you make sure that you are not you don't become that type of person because of your money and that's not something i think that's generally dealt with but it's it's there's so many opportunities to deal with that in that space. So I think people have a lot of misconceptions about category romance because they believe that, you know, we don't deal with that. But I think there are a lot of authors who are doing it and doing it really well. And um, I'm not talking about myself today. I just wanted to give you an example. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think just knowing, you know, you're going to get a pregnancy romance when you have pregnant in the title or one night in the title which is something I love I love it when you know if there's something if a book has a one night stand in and a pregnancy does not result I will generally be quite upset (laughs) (laughs) okay we have to talk about this because I feel like (laughs) pregnancy and romance is such a sticky topic like what do you love about it tell us okay firstly (laughs) let me just put a disclaimer on and say having been pregnant it's not the most romantic time of your life guys so (laughs) i do understand that it's not realistic (laughs) and only i have a special i have a special you know insight to that now i've been gone through it but i i think i just love that there's this person that becomes bigger than you as an individual and now you have to think about that person yeah Yeah. and how that forces you to deal with your own issues and forces you to be like you you know is is romance the best thing and then having that be shown to be the best Mm -hmm. thing i think maybe it's just because it's like fertile ground to show like to make the characters prove to one another that they are going to be that they're good people, which mm-hmm. I love. I really love romances where characters are good people, um, just genuinely good people, good real people. That mm-hmm. gives me so much hope. That's one of the things I love best about romance. So uh, maybe it's that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for if it if it's a divisive issue, but that's just how I feel. Okay. I love it. Yeah, I'm definitely getting into it more now. Like it was one of those things. Like if I saw a pregnant heroin on the cover I was like oh I don't know I don't, I just think of like I imagine everything being secret baby yeah. not done in the best way and yeah. it's like no I was really missing out on some really mm-hmm. really fun good stories and I understand that like I think the secret baby so I think there's two factions of the pregnancy <laughs> lovers in their men there's the one that's like love it because of you know, the fact that they, it forces them to deal with it. And that's usually not necessarily secret babies mm-hmm. because it means like, okay, we have to deal with this while I'm pregnant, yeah. where secret babies is like, yeah. okay, here's your baby, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So um, I think those are the two separate people who like, <laughs> I don't know how much of how much of an overlap there is between the two readers. But I think um, with a secret baby, it's, it's, yeah your, your reasons have to be great hey like yeah, you yeah. really have to make sure yeah. you you are, are making the reader understand and that's always the artist with like tricky tropes is like are you making your reader believe 
that this is actually like you that because it's immediately putting you at a disadvantage in my opinion mm-hmm. please disclaimer all of this is my opinion <laughs> i do not speak for everyone but you need to make sure that your 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 heroine is relatable so if yeah. she's fearing for her life or she's afraid that you are you're going to do something that's you know harmful then i understand that or you anyway you know mm-hmm. i'm just going down on a rant down a, a very <laughs> a very dangerous place yeah please your question <laughs> you just, can rant let's away just, let's let's move on please <laughs> okay so Congratulations on your most recent release, Awakened by the CEO's Kiss. Um, We always like to ask you, do anything fun to celebrate your new releases? We usually ask release dates, but we've quickly learned that release dates look different for you all. Mm -hmm. So how do you celebrate what you do having something new coming out? I am so bad at this. So I was listening to Lucy Mondo and she was like, oh, she gets, you know, a family together. And I was like, no, oh, I just should do that. So I am planning on doing that from Yay! now on. Thank you, Lucy. Um, Sarah always says we aim to enable here. So we aim to enable. I love that. We're so glad. I love that. No, I, I, I think for the, for my first book, I celebrated and, you know, we, we did the champagne thing and then I was having releases come out. Like I had, at one point, I think I had six books come out in a year. Wow. And wow. I just, you know, lost track. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like at some point, and I think it was, it, it had overwhelmed me at that time because I couldn't, I can write at that pace, but it's not mm-hmm. like healthy for mm-hmm. me mentally. And that's something I had to go through to discover. Mm-hmm. So um, I lost it. And now after giving birth and, you know, having to take a significant amount of time off, I realized that I want that excitement of, you know, having a release and going through all of that again. So I plan on following Lucy's lead and having a nice dinner and yes. forcing my children, what currently have no say in it, to be part of this. Yes. Um, so thank you, Lucy. <laughs> um, Awakened by the CEO's Kiss is the romance between Brooke and Tyler. And one of the fun themes we enjoyed seeing you explore in this story is memory. In the very beginning of the story, we learn from Tyler's perspective that him and Brooke have been friends before, but she has no memory of it. The memories Tyler has of the of decisions his father made have really shaped a lot of decision he's making as an adult. And Brooke suffered memory loss in a car accident that took her husband's life. What is a theme you set out? Was this a theme you set out to explore when you began writing the book or did it develop as you were writing the story? Well, I, at that point, what I think when I was starting that book, I wanted to do something I'd never done before. Don't ask me why. I do this to myself where I'm like, <laughs> let's do this thing. And then I regret it deeply as I write. Um, Girl has to challenge herself periodically. <laughs> it's so awful. Um, but I'm very glad I to do it afterwards. So maybe it's just, you know, one of those things. But I, when I start that I told myself I will never do amnesia like I do not know how to approach the amnesia trope and then when I got to that point um I think that was like 15th or 16th book I'd written so I was like okay maybe maybe you can do this and Mm -hmm. it was a trope I'd never done before and I was really interested in exploring it in a way that 
I think isn't traditionally done. Um, mm-hmm. That's generally what you'll find with my books. I love traditional tropes, but I also just love subverting them and, you know, coming up with new ways to just to write them and to get my reader to enjoy them. So for me, I did start out going in with, you know, Brooke's memories and like how would it be to be in this relationship with someone or to start a relationship where you don't remember the actual start of it. Yeah. And then I then to try and fit her with someone who does remember and is like, okay, but I can't talk about it. So because yeah. the plot is that he's filling in with Foy's sister at home at her job and Brooksy's mm. boss and he doesn't want to do anything to jeopardize his sister's work and it was just like he can't talk about it even though he wants to but he also wants to put this professional uh, you know persona in place so that it doesn't get awkward which obviously it does within like the first meeting yeah. and <laughs> um, so I definitely think that's what I started out with but developed as time went on uh and you know you just kind of well as I write I'm usually like how do I make this harder for them oh okay let's sort of add you know the memory of her husband who's passed away um and the memory of his mother who's passed away Mm -hmm. um you know to actually deal with with that and to because memories form us and they create you know who we are in the present and I just wanted to play around with that so thank you for for picking that up <laughs> yeah I really liked how you said something in the book he Tyler no yeah Tyler picks up on something in the book um after I can't remember what specifically Brooke said but he realizes that her selective memory is almost like it's it's like her mind protecting her. And I was, I loved that. I was Mm -hmm. like, I felt like that's when he really got it. Like Mm -hmm. he had, he had realized like she finally kind of opened up and was like, yeah, this is what happened to me. And he's like, that's why she doesn't remember. And then, you know, through that dialogue that comes out and I was like, that is awesome. (laughs) Like I I love that that was in there. Thank you. But I think that's what our brains do is to, you know, to us every day in different yeah. ways or just manifest in different ways. Yep. And I think yeah. certainly when you're going through something traumatic, um, you block it out, you, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and you try to, and, and I think we always see it as something negative, like this amnesia, oh, this is something that happened to me, you know, I was in something traumatic. When in actual fact, it's something good that your brain is trying to Your do brain's you. doing, yeah. yeah. It's trying to protect you. And that's a lot too with a lot of like mental illnesses as well, well mm-hmm. specifically with with. Um, anxiety which is what I struggle with like your anxiety is just trying to prepare you for something mm-hmm. in the future yeah um so for me it, it took a lot of therapy to get to that point, <laughs> you know, to get to the point to realize we we okay this is what your brain is doing mm-hmm. and it helped me tremendously and I, I just love giving my characters that as well so my readers can have that um realization too yeah. hopefully That's awesome Another beautiful part of the book was Brooke and her grief. Her husband has been dead for five years now, and she's still grieving him. There's a little sense of survivor's guilt as well. Uh, we truly felt for her grief over her husband. It, it just left through the pages. And when you when you sit down to write a character who is grieving a loss, is it mostly from real life experience? Is there research involved? Can you tell us how you captured it so masterfully? Because like I was reading this book and like like. Sarah and I were talking about it and 
I told her, I was like, I don't know what it is about grief and romances, but I love some of my favorite romances have a grief story. Mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like it's such a, it can be such a tough topic, but like every one that I have read, it's handled so well. So yep. like when you go into it and you have that, you know, that idea to have the grief part in it, like, what are you as a writer, like, are you researching grief for her specifically with the car accident and the memory mm-hmm. loss? Was there research for that? The technicalities I definitely do the the research on. Like, what would it take for her to be, you know, what would it be for her to not remember a specific thing yep. um, or a specific time in her life and to make sure that that's realistic. Mm-hmm. And then I think the emotional aspects, I think grief is... Um, it's such a emotional issue. Like a, it's a really hard thing to deal with. Um, I've experienced it. I think everyone's really experienced it in some way. I think there's mm-hmm. there's not there's direct ways like actually losing someone, and there's indirect ways of you know friendships ending or yes. yeah. you know you know ending a job that you really love doing. I think mm-hmm. there's different manifestations of grief, and uh, so my view of it has really been seeing it you know on television shows reading it in books and seeing how different authors handle it different shows handle it i i think that's part of my research is to really see how how do different people handle it and how do you as a specific character how would you deal with it mm-hmm. um you know so for me i i just wanted to know i think i don't think you ever stop grieving when you lose someone like mm-hmm. a parent or a husband or wife or partner I think it's really I think it's it's something that stays with you and Mm -hmm. so for me I just wanted to show that I think with a survivor's guilt it's there's something that's very direct in that because she was in the same car Mm -hmm. um and she literally survived this accident but I think survivor's guilt is something that you experience even when it's not as direct it's you know you you have someone you've lost and you feel like I think if you actually are open to thinking about it that way is that you have to you want to live your life yeah because they couldn't or they haven't been able to and that's really a message that I wanted to bring across it's like it's difficult sorry it's difficult to live Mm -hmm. um knowing that someone else is not living someone you cared about and someone that you obviously want with you Mm -hmm. and I think the scariest thing in that space is losing someone you love in a romantic relationship and then how do you move on from that you know is it betrayal to move on from that is it um you know is it something that they would want is Mm -hmm. it something that you want to do do you have to be punished for feeling those feelings again it's really I think it's such a wide spectrum of feelings that someone feels and I think it would do a disservice to the characters in the romance to not explore it to not Mm -hmm. actually look at how this is affecting this relationship and with Brooke it really with Brooke it felt like that almost made her kind of stuck in the grief it Mm. made it felt like it was like really making the grief that much more difficult because she was struggling with well he's not going to get the opportunity to do this you know Mm -hmm. and it just always kind of circled back and I like one thing that we talk about all the time Sarah and I like that we love is when you have a she lost her husband and she loved him 
right? He wasn't a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And I love mm -hmm. that. And I feel like that really just makes yep. the grief that much more, you know, that much more believable because it was like, she really, really loved him. So she mm -hmm. really is kind of stuck I, in this cycle. And for me, it's like, it's that hope again. It's like, he, this is, this is something that happens to you at this time in your life. You found the perfect person for the person you were then mm -hmm. and you were very happy and you could have been very happy but mm -hmm. having lost that person it changes you and it changes mm -hmm. you into a completely different person how you see relationship changes how you feel about people changes so I think uh, you know dealing with it and I and I think we need to see more of that in romance just in general mm -hmm. it's like people having good relationships but it just doesn't work out you know I think yeah. the same with you know just general relationships the exes the evil ex I think is just, yeah has come out now more recently yeah as something that people don't want to see because a lot of the times the relationships don't end because it's an evil ex it's just something doesn't work out Correct. so for me it's just we have to think about that and um think about how she how she would feel having come from a really healthy relationship and you know how to move past that that because she's stuck in her life really yeah, yeah. um a personal life specifically she doesn't know how to to move on because of it so yeah that's one of my biggest pet peeves if you will when it comes to romance in general is the one true love it doesn't mm. just have to be one person exactly as you said at different stages of your life you're going to see different things and I really like the exploration of this was good, but this can be good too. It's not better mm -hmm. or worse. Yeah. It's just Absolutely. exactly it's right. different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, and I think yep. that's and that's. Oh, well, I was going to go back to the hope, which is my favorite part of the romance. Is that there's always hope, no matter yep. where you are, no matter who you are, you deserve love. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Brooke and Tyler declare their love for one another before Brooke pushes him away in the same scene. Specifically through Brooke, was there anything about her journey you hoped would resonate with the readers? Yeah, I think we talked about a lot of that. I just, yeah. I think specifically it's, um, it's, you deserve to, mm -hmm. to be happy even when you feel like you don't deserve yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, and I think that's what a lot of people do to themselves. Like, well, you know, I had a bad experience or I lost someone, so yeah. I don't deserve this because mm -hmm. obviously it's not going to work out or whatever. And I just, for me, I always want my readers to see that you deserve love. <laughs> you always deserve love and you deserve to have that feeling of comfort and of safety course. that love, that being love brings. Uh, and I just wanted Brooke to have that because she's been through so much and she's been through five years of hell after losing oh. her husband. <laughs> and I just wanted it to be with a sexy housekeeper, okay? There you yes. go. <laughs> sexy housekeeper. End of story. <laughs> you are our first romance author from South Africa to come on the podcast. So thank you awesome. so much. Uh, and we're always excited to learn any differences there are with category romances in the different parts of the world. And we touched on this earlier. I told mm -hmm. you, like, we're going to touch on this. Yes. So can you share with us what category romance series are most popular where you live? Are there any mm -hmm. differences you've noticed with the books there versus in other locations? I mean, you touched on like, you guys don't get a lot of stuff physically that mm -hmm. other places do. So have at it educate us what are yeah. the differences we want to so know that, 
<laughs> that's actually two of um, the category books also. We don't daily get them mm-hmm. on our shelves anymore. The one store that we used to get, you know, recent releases on initially just started cutting the books so we wouldn't see all of the books um so we get Mills and Boonia and we get the UK versions of them um so the, the two-in-ones and mm-hmm. you know modern is it modern Mills and Boonia? modern yeah so so not present sorry I was talking about modern earlier because I had that in my head so <laughs> modern and uh desires which stays desire but mm-hmm. you know the two love Mills and Boonia two love in had at some point well, it's still at the moment special edition in America okay. and Hollywood romance together combined. Okay. So we don't, you know, we don't know about the differences in these things and we don't get to see them. And now that store's closed completely. So we don't wow. get category romances, recent category, category romances. We get, have like backlist titles that get shipped here, which are usually like on, on, you know, special deals or whatever. And, um, but for, for me, I think, you know, if I had to go back to um, what I used to see on the stores is, is that Modern and, and Desire did pretty well here. Um, I think people just love, you know, you know the sexy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't I know why I thought that well. Desire, I thought Desire was like a straight North American thing. So I love well, saying right. that. So I think, I think because of the setting is, is yeah. US. Um, but we kind of used to that here. So I think the cowboy boys books wouldn't do as well here. Yeah. Some of the desires that are like less cowboy cowboy focused. Because mm-hmm. um, we don't understand really about you know the, the cowboy <laughs> who's this thing. cowboy. Um, yeah, who's this cowboy? Um, so we don't do you know as I don't. I think that is very isolating honestly Fair, that yeah. you know it, 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 that's why you think that way because it is very north american focused mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's written for your audience in north america because that's where it has to be set so it does exclude a lot of the world but i think we do enjoy like the drama of it like this the soap opera element of like yes. really desires or soap operas for it's for true. readers yeah. for category true, lovers yeah. so i think <laughs> that we love but in general, I, I, I would say that the U.S. setting is a little bit, yeah. you know, exclusionary. Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. if you're buying ebooks, do you get them from Mills and Boone in the U.K.? Like if you were going to buy them from or do you have like an I, I'm uh, excuse my. Ignorance. No, we don't have Amazon. We don't have Amazon in, in South Africa, but we do like our counseling to the U.S. Amazon store. But oh, okay. it's also location based. So oh, yeah. we will get. Like, for example, Sarah McLean's books, mm-hmm. on, we don't buy the U.S. versions of them. We buy the U.K. versions of them. So, like, mm-hmm. the covers and stuff will be the U.K. cover. The beautiful ones. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> the gorgeous ones. <laughs> I know. And then they'll be in the U.S. store, but it'll also sometimes not be available to us if, you know, the, the publisher has to specifically okay. set that it includes different territories in the world. Okay. Um, I've I've experienced that quite a bit where they'll be like, oh, there's a sale on, you know, Amazon Kindle, and you go in and they're like, no, not for you though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, um, we have a lot of those experiences, but it's much, still much more accessible than physical books for us. So okay. at some point it will become available to the South African audience. That really kind of hurts my heart a little bit. Mine too. Because I'm like, I can go into the Walmart right now and and pick up a book and it's no big deal. But 
there are parts of the world where readers mm-hmm. don't have that access to it. We would think in 2021 that we didn't have to have that conversation, Absolutely. but it's very, Absolutely. a real thing. No, it's very true. And I'm, I'm very happy to tell people about it because I think, you know, even online people seem to forget that, you know, the US, US has a lot more advantages than a lot yes. of the world has. Yes. Um, and, you know, something that blows my mind is that you guys have audiobook and ebook libraries, loaning libraries. Like, we do not have that. You don't have um, that? Whose door I do I one. need to knock on? <laughs> oh, man. At least think... have the library if your bookstore is closed. I mean, we have, like, we have a library, like a physical library, sure. but, um, but they not only the... have they have physical books but it'll also be like not the most recent stuff because we don't have budgets to buy like yeah. like so you know I've heard of people say oh I asked my library to order this book for us um we don't have that so yeah. a lot of it's based on donations from people um uh so you know you go in and you'll have a series and there'll be a book like one and and five <laughs> you know and so anything in between that that's why I said ebooks is such a been such a great spot because we really get to for sure wow so shout out to ebook shout out to ebook thank you i have an even i have a bigger respect for it now because Mm -hmm. but i mean mean, even even then like having an e-reader is having an e-reader is kind of a privilege it is it absolutely is absolutely i mean the one nice thing is that we can obviously download apps onto your phone now so mm-hmm. a lot of people get to read off their phones and that's been great so um really but honestly it's really opened us because i mean i wouldn't have read so many authors i wouldn't have had access to and only now we are seeing you know more diverse authors become mm-hmm. um popular enough in you know traditional publishing eyes to be in in stores in general um and they really have to like be best sellers for them to come to our stores um wow. so it's really it's it's ebooks are really you know that as that side of it i don't think a lot of people consider mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how is it for you being an author in like in you know not being able to see access to books like that mm-hmm. it's sad yeah. i mean I, I think with, with the pandemic, the one good thing that's come out of it is that now I can actually be included in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so I think for, that's one aspect of it. It's that I can finally actually engage with people of overseas because I think people are now more willing to like do Zooms instead of physical meetups. And um, so that's been really nice. But it's, it's very isolating to be outside of the US and the UK and, you know, more uh, I think even Australia and, and Canada where they are publishing industries that are thriving. Mm-hmm. And I think, and don't get me wrong, South Africa does have a publishing industry and it does very well, but it's a very narrow industry. So um, the type of books that we publish are not romance centers specifically. Yeah. So, you know, we do have a romance, pub, pub, uh, a romance line that does incredibly well, but it's not in English. Okay. So... You know, if you speak English, you're excluded. <laughs> if you write in English, you're excluded. So I, you know, if I want any kind of career in romance long term, it has to be outside of the country. And a lot of the times it's just, you know, not, it's not inclusive. Uh, I don't get to see my books in print, mm. um, in stores. Um, I, I've seen, I think, maybe three out of the 17 or 18 books I have out. Um, so... 
it's it's sad really <laughs> it's, but it's getting better so i'm hopeful that things will get better but i also understand you know our country has other things to deal with and yeah. focus on it's not you know um books is not really the top priority unfortunately <laughs> wow literature words <laughs> people reading it's, it's, mm. it's not a privilege it's a right mm. like you should be able to have access to books period yeah, it is. But I mean, that's that's only something that's been like a recent priority of like. I know. F- in, I think in South Africa, specifically, like we dr- try and drive um, more people to become literate, and you know, because that's still our reality. Is that there there's a good portion of the the um, other country that doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. doesn't you know because the needs are greater you know are you going to go to school or are you going to try and, and feed your family and that's yeah. a real question that a lot of people are asking in the country so mm-hmm. sorry I I mean I feel like I started this podcast out super depressing no 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 this needs to be no no every part this was no. so eye-opening it really it Absolutely. really is. So Absolutely. thank you for that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for asking me. Um, I'm very happy to talk about it because I do think people don't think about it sometimes. They don't. And I you really know, love as you were talking, I was like, I go to half price books all the time mm-hmm. to donate books, to mm-hmm. like make a little bit of extra money to buy books. Mm-hmm. But and I think that for a lot of us, you know, if you knew that there was somewhere that you could like package a book up and ship it somewhere where maybe they don't have as easy freaking access as we do Correct. to like mm-hmm. drive to five or six used bookshops. That would be amazing. I would rather do that, you know, because mm-hmm, you've said that when, when we talked with Nadine Gonzalez, she mentioned how growing up in Haiti, they would mm-hmm. get like secondhand Mills and Boons shipped over. So mm-hmm. I just think that we forget like there are places in the world that don't have it, have that easy access like we do. Yeah, when I'm a big time author, three, you and I, Sarah, you ready? Three of us will get into this. We'll start a non-profit that just sends books to the rest of the world. But you know, yes, we're bringing romance to the masses. All right, exactly. We're just gonna, we're gonna. Dirty everyone's minds. That That's will be right. our goal. Right. The fact that there are twelve-year-old girls who can't <laughs> sneak romances in South Africa you know? just really exactly. burns me up. I mean, think of how happy everybody would be. <laughs> you know, I really think we we have the key to world peace right here. Right. Thank part. you. All happy right. ever afters, people. No. <laughs> when we're accepting the Nobel Peace Prize, we can talk about how it all started here. Exactly, and we have to. are you ready for some fill in the sentence rapid fire round out questions yay yes all right um when i'm not writing i'm taking care of babies of course (laughs) (laughs) the Uh, most random place an idea for a book came to me where was the most random place a book idea came to you i i feel like you need to ask me, like, it's the wrong question to ask. Like, the right question to ask is, like, where, what, like, idea came to me actually at my desk? Because <laughs> I've never had this <laughs> Everywhere is random. Like, on the way to school or, like, to the store or watching a TV show. Like, I, I just started watching, I mean, I finished watching Normal People. I don't know if you guys have seen it. No. 
Don't watch it. It's, don't, don't, it's not that, a video. That's, that's based okay, off of then. a book, right? Is that based off of yeah, Sally, Sally Rooney? Sally Rooney? Yes. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a happy book. It's not, it's not going to give you Bridgerton vibes. But, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I was just like thinking about, because there's a couple in there that kind of have this very intense relationship. And I was just thinking like, what if you are the person who is not, like who's trying to have a relationship with this person who's in this intense friendship with someone else like mm-hmm. how awkward would that be so that yeah. you know maybe maybe that's the answer is like watching tv that's <laughs> so but I do not have... most of your ideas are random and then occasionally exactly um one film i will never stop watching is wonder woman Ooh, yes. Perfection. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's so perfect. I love that book. I love that movie so much. Like mm. it's, it, I cried when I watched it, and you know that scene where she, that first Wonder Woman scene where she like mm-hmm. walks out and stuff. Yep. I cried, and I made my husband cry as well. So. <laughs> you better I like, cry. You better, I love you it. Cry. I love <laughs> this is for every woman ever. <laughs> <laughs> The first song on the soundtrack to your life is a Beyonce song. Like, of course, I don't know. Yeah, like maybe "Get Me Bodied" because that song I did that dance, and that's how my husband became interested in me. So <laughs> Beyonce creating happy ever afters, and she doesn't exactly. Even know. Thank you, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> um, my uh, one of my most read authors is Nora Roberts. Oh, nice. nice. was my queen. It was, it was my formative romance author. Yep. Like I read every single book, and actually, I have a book coming out at the end of the year called "And They Lived Happily Ever After," mm-hmm. and it's it's like a contemporary romance with a little bit of magic in it. And it really was. I think I was really inspired by her earlier books, where you know they'd just be like a random ghost or yes. just yeah. like a supernatural yes. power. In, yes, you know, one of those trilogies that she used to do. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I adore those books, and they were really, really amazing. So, awesome. no, no, but I'm very happy to. Love. <laughs> Love. Oh, but in more, sorry, if in more recent times, it would be Talia. Oh. But, um, I think yes. I read every single one of her books. Yes, so, great. Yeah, it's it's a very like major gap between like uh, and <laughs> Like, there's a lot of authors in between there, but but um, I think if I have to think about the most recent ones, that would gosh, be- Nora Roberts has written like a thousand books. <laughs> Right, She's probably working oh, on a thousand right now. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't like. I I feel like I did a lot of them. Like I did like even the ones you don't hear about, like the Stanislavski sisters. <laughs> like, yeah, really yeah, like, yeah. like the her because she started out with Molson with Silhouette and Molson Bone as well. Mm-hmm. I read those books as well. Like I really like there was a point in my life where people could ask me what do you want for your birthday, and I'd be like a Nora Roberts book, and they'd come back and it would be a book I did read, read, and I'm like how she has a million, but somehow. You found <laughs> She like, she submitted, I think, to Mills and Boone and or Harlequin, and they rejected her. And I'm like, what editor has to live with that for the rest of their life? So everyone's book is terrible at the beginning. It is, it is not something to be ashamed of. Yeah. We all start somewhere. That's right. Even Nora Roberts heard exactly. a no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, are you an early bird or a night owl? Like a mid-morning dove. I don't know. I just saw like a bird. Mid-morning dove. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like I really, I'm, I'm very 
miserable in the mornings and in the evenings I'm too tired to like do anything so nearly like that in between period (laughs) (laughs) at my best (laughs) what is one thing you need within arm's reach while writing I I don't know I I, like nothing I'm very focused on when I'm writing I'm writing so like I have my keyboard Mm -hmm. and my mouse that's what I'm doing maybe a timer because I like to write um with a timer just so that I can keep focus okay for that so, time so you're not a word a count on like, you know. I wish it could be like chocolate that's <laughs> imported from Brazil it must be like room temperature for the perfect consistency I don't know no I, I... so you don't <laughs> sorry well, you don't do like a uh, daily word count you do a timer instead no, I do do daily okay. word counts okay. when I can. Um, it's a bit difficult now. Mm-hmm. But I will do a timer so that I don't get distracted by social media Fair. or emails. Okay. Um, so I'll be like, I'm going to write now and that's all I'm going to do yeah. for the next 20 minutes. And then awesome. in between the breaks, I will like do 10 minutes and I'll be like, oh, okay, I can check social media now. So it's more for focus really as a technique Fair. for focus. Okay. Okay. Awesome. What's one category romance series you wish never went away? We didn't get Kiss here, but I've heard amazing things about Kiss. Mm-hmm. I think it was Modern Temptation here. Maybe. Maybe we did. Um, but I missed the Silhouette books, which is kind of yes. cheap because Mills and Boone and Harlequin acquired them. Yes. But those books were like, those were like early, were really like the early, I think, Harlequin romances. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, where it was about it was about the relationship and the emotion more than it was yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> i have a lot of I, I will show you like the, yeah that little silhouette spine is something that i yes. look at all the time and um i mean i i think i when i was preparing for my babies i went to that period where i like gave away all of my books but i i love those books so mm-hmm. much because i think they just captured all the juicy things that i loved about category romance it was like yes. the relationship there was once a book i read where like the guy's daughter falls pregnant and his um girlfriend falls pregnant at the same time and he like has to deal with <laughs> like daughter, daughter of the bride pregnant. yes exactly <laughs> i, I just loved it I'm like, yeah. that is so wild and like it's crazy because she was like well this particular thing was really weird because she was like um <laughs> she was like oh i'm on the pole but i was taking st john's wort or something <laughs> you know like some <laughs> yeah, it was, control. It was, it was like oh that can happen oh my goodness <laughs> so i love this book. oh my God. <laughs> um you can only pick one to read for the rest of your life would you rather read only new releases or only backlist titles only new releases i i I don't reread. I've never, I've probably read, reread like three books in my life. The one is Twilight and the others were like a Nora Roberts series that I particularly loved, but I mostly read new releases anyway, so. You reread Twilight? Really? <laughs> I loved Twilight. It was, it was, it was the book, it was the book that made me want to be, like it made me realize like, because everyone was reading and they're like, oh, amazing. Actually, I did it before it became big. Mm-hmm. And okay. it had a very creepy cover on. The one was like the... The like, apple or whatever. Yes, that girl, that girl, like that weird looking girl yeah. with like the apple in the hand. Uh, and I read that book and I was like, for the first time I thought, this is 
this someone made this up and yeah. mm-hmm. it was it's amazing so mm-hmm. i reread it almost immediately and it was it was the honestly the best book at that my 14 year old self read that so i unashamedly am a huge yeah. twilight fan for that it definitely made a lot of people readers absolutely and you can't knock it for what it did mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. people that you know I mean, you can knock it now but yeah <laughs> you know for that person that read it it was very inspiring absolutely yeah. Is there a romance subgenre you haven't written yet, but would really love to try? I think I really love to like lean into like fantasy mm. or like like really straight paranormal. Okay. I love to have like a long running series like Nalini Singh yes. or, you know, Ilona Andrews. Like I'd love to do that. And I think this, the, you know, my, my liked paranormal romance could really whet my appetite for, for that type of book. Mm-hmm. So maybe someday well we'd love to see it absolutely i will send you personalized copies and say it and we'll hear from (laughs) um is there anything you can share about what's coming up next for you yeah so um we've been talking about awakened by the ceo's kiss and that's Mm -hmm. out oh well i mean i'm sure it'll be out by the time this is yeah it's good yes so um I don't know. Do you say that this goes live? This goes to air? I don't know. What What do you say with podcast? <laughs> when this episode posts, when yeah, the when book exactly. will be out. So I got yeah. my copy yesterday. If you buy it, I, on the website, I love it's it. There. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so it's already available. It's actually already out in the U- in the UK and in mm-hmm. Australia, I believe. So um, I'm very excited about that, and it's. I'm sure you know the plot by now of yes. the spoken about it. And then I also, as I mentioned earlier, have And They Lived Happily Ever After coming out at the end of the year um, on the 30th of November. And that's about a romance author who deems yeah. herself into our books. So she nice. gets to love all the wonderful things that happen into her books. And she kisses um, her best friend's younger brother and is suddenly finding that he is also in her dreams with her playing the hero in a book so um yeah so that i'm really really excited about that book because it also deals with mental health which is something i've been working through for a long time and it just gets it gives you i hope a different perspective on you know anxiety and falling in love and it's still you know i think it's a rom-com it's funny it has like really light-hearted moments and also just deals with this um, really important issues. So I'm really mm. excited for everybody to read the book Yay. and see yes. how people, what does it come out. Cannot wait. Absolutely. Um, lastly, where can everyone follow you online? You can find me on Twitter. That's probably where I am the most mm-hmm. um, okay. with my little snarky comments and observations. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what Twitter's for? That's <laughs> basically exactly. what it's for, yeah. Um, and I love, you know, just like posting something snarky about, or, or not snarky, I, I love posting about romance. Like, I genuinely adore romance novels. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, when I start reading a book and I'm like, oh my word, like, what's the point into running in, what's the point in running into someone's, someone's body if it's not going to be your hero's chest? Like, what's that point? Yeah. Then I'll post that <laughs> and be like, and enjoy how many other people, you know, love just that. So I'm really excited about that um for just for myself really <laughs> i love that for myself and um so you can find me at today's the audio 
um, on Twitter and on Instagram and less so on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But my website, um, todaysbeauty.com, also has, uh, you know, has a, a blog that I don't update anymore but has a lot of information about mm -hmm. category romances and romance in general and like anxiety as an author mm -hmm. and just you know really I, I i had that blog for three to four years and i posted every week so there's a lot of content on wow. me yeah um and you can join my newsletter and at some point i will send out the newsletter again but <laughs> for now <laughs> Find me on Twitter. That's yep. probably where I yep. will be most. And email. I have a contact me page on my website and I okay. respond to those emails. So great. Well, thank you so much for letting yes. us start our day with you. Where? What time is it where you are? <laughs> it is now 4.30 p.m. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going into, I'm just going to probably go from here to feed my son their dinner. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> well, my day is ending. You. Yes, your day is Thank ending. You so much. Thank you for ending your day with us. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking me. I had such a great time. Thank you for mm -hmm. joining us. Well, all of Therese Bahari's information will be in the show notes. Listeners, make sure you keep up with her, follow her, go check her out on Twitter and stand by for the snarky commentary <laughs> and the, the love of romance. Sarah and I will be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for joining us today and listening, and we will talk to you in our next episode. <laughs>